Well, good morning, Element Church, and welcome. I'm so glad that you are joining with us wherever you are today. And I just have to be honest, there is so much uh, on my heart and my mind right now that uh, I want to share with you and talk with you about. Uh, Of course, this is our first week of House Church, and I can't tell you how excited I am about this new phase that we have the opportunity to move into as a church together. Uh, You may have noticed already, but we are starting a new series this week as well that I think is going to be very timely and important for all of us. And of course, we all know about the events that have been unfolding over the last uh, few weeks in our society and in our communities that uh, I want to talk about and share with you as well. And I'm going to do the best that I can today uh, to try to bring those things together. Um, you know, the, the obvious one right now is that for most of you, uh, you are experiencing church and worshiping this morning in a very different way. Um, rather than being with your family in your home, you're probably in someone else's home, not only worshiping with your family, but other families around you. And, and I'm really excited about this new phase, but I also just want to point out some of the obvious that um, this is different for all of us. Um, This is different because you're in a new location, maybe in someone's home that you've never been in before. Uh, I recognize that there are also some nerves. Um, I I recognize that probably just a a few minutes ago, you were kind of wrestling with like, how loud do I sing? Like, what if if the people on the couch or the chair next to me can hear me? Um, There's probably also like a little bit of nerves about what's, what's expected. Like, should I wear a face mask or should I not wear a face mask? What, what am I supposed to do with those kinds of things? And, and then let's just be, uh, let's just be real. Um, there are going to be distractions and there are going to be interruptions this morning. Um, if you're in a home, uh, with small kids, uh, someone's kids are going to cry at some point during this service. They may have already done it. If you're a parent, at some point, your kids are going to cry. Um, they may be, maybe this week or maybe next week, but um, there are going to be distractions. Interruptions are going to come, and that's okay. Um, I'll never forget when we were first starting Element Church. Uh, Element Church actually began uh, as a worship Bible study in our living room. So just like much, many of you are experiencing uh, church today, uh, being with other people in a living room to worship and study together, that's exactly how Element Church started in its early days. And I'll never forget one of our very first meetings. Um, normally we would sit in a circle, uh, I would be sitting down and we would, we would do a Bible study together. And we were meeting with a lot of families that we didn't know. No one really knew each other. We were just starting to meet one another. Um, just like you this morning, like maybe, uh, you, you had to introduce yourself to someone for the first time today. Uh, maybe you had to introduce yourself to someone for like the fifth time today. Cause let's be honest, we all forget names. Um, but we normally we would sit in a circle. I would sit down and we would open up our Bibles and, and go through a Bible study. But this one particular, uh, meeting at the very early days of Element Church, one of our very first meetings, I was actually standing up because I was really excited about what was about to happen and just thinking about the future of Element Church and the opportunity that we were going to have to to minister to people and to make a difference in our community and just talking about all that God was going to do. And so I'm getting really fired up and I'm so excited. And this little girl gets off of her parents' lap and she walks up to me and she was probably four, maybe five years old. And I'm like, like at the crescendo, the climax of my, my little spiel. I'm so excited. And as she walks up, she stands right in front of me and I kind of stop for a minute and I look down and she looks up to me and she just goes, 
I have to poop. And uh, in that moment, I was just like, uh, uh, okay, the bathroom's like right there. And then it was just a total, I, I've got to regroup my mind and, and try to bring the whole group back together. Listen, things like that just happen. And so here's what I want to say to all of you. Uh, if, if today there's an interruption or a kid cries or makes noises because that's what kids do or, or, or any other kind of interruption, uh, here's what I want you to do. If, I want you to show a lot of grace. Um, and, and if parent, if, if that's your kid or, or you're the one that causes a distraction, I, I just want you to relax. Um, I actually want to read a passage for us out of Ephesians chapter 4. This is a letter that Paul writes to a church uh, who's just trying to learn and figure out how to do church together and how to interact with one another. And, and this is what he says, starting in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. And he says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Now, why does Paul give us that detail? Well, one is because he's writing from prison to a church that he helped start. Um, but also because I think he's trying to illustrate to his to his church and his audience like, hey, I'm not about to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. I'm giving my life to this. I'm in prison right now for this, um, for, for, for the gospel and for, for building up the church and preaching. And so so what I'm about to ask of you, I don't think I'm not willing to, to give my own life for it. So he says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, that's a powerful statement. He says, listen, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That's that's a powerful, that's a powerful statement to make. Uh, to call this church to. Now, what does that mean? What does it look like to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we have received? He's, he's going to tell us, starting in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he says, in order to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received, that we should walk with humility and gentleness and patience and bearing one another, uh, bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain unity. And so as we're doing life together, listen, when you get into community, it, it's messy, right? The only kind of genuine, like the only kind of community that isn't messy is the superficial kind. But when you start exposing yourself and sharing your life with others and, 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 and being raw and open, uh, it gets messy. And as we, we be the church together and as we enter into community together, um, be patient and humble and gentle with one another, bearing with one another in love and seeking out unity as we move forward together as a church. And so I'm so excited about the opportunity uh, that today represents of moving into a new phase for our church. But I'm also really excited because we're starting a brand new sermon series today. Uh, as you probably already saw, uh, our sermon series is called Lies We Believed. You know, our culture, our society loves to use language like your truth and my truth. Uh, but what happens when these truths in our lives turn out to be lies? 
What, what happens when those truths that we build our lives on are exposed for what they really are? You know, um, when planning out my sermon calendar for this year and just praying through where God was going to lead our church, um, I, I happened to have the month of June open. I, I didn't really know what God wanted us uh, to, to do or talk about in the month of June. And then as we've started to walk through the events of the last three or four months together, um, God really pressed in on my heart um, that we should talk about some of the things that maybe we believed in our lives, but through the coronavirus pandemic and then also the way in which our society and our, our communities responded to that, how it exposed some lies that maybe we had believed that, that are now being revealed as lies that they were. And what I think is really timely is not only are we going to talk about these things in light of uh, the past couple months, but um, just in God's sovereignty, as we were putting together the plans for this sermon series, even, even knowing that, that we put today's topic together long before what we knew our, our society and our communities would experience over the last two weeks, um, and just trusting in God's sovereignty that he was at work putting this together long ago. And because even weeks ago, we had planned today to cover the lie that says this, I don't need anyone else. I don't need other people in my life. And I think the things that we have gone through and experienced as a society and communities um, over the last few weeks have, e have exposed that even more um, and the need for our being united together. Uh, now, I want to say this, um, just as we kind of enter into this discussion about what we've been going through and seeing and experiencing over the last few weeks is, is, is I just want to make sure that it's very clear that, that at Element Church, like we are not spiritual ambulance chasers, chasing after whatever people are excited about in the moment. And, and talking about racial tension or injustices in our society is not something that's new to our church. Every year we devote Martin Luther King Jr. weekend to talking about these very kinds of issues, about how the gospel speaks into the way that people of all different backgrounds, of all different colors, of all different life stages, um, how the gospel speaks truth into our lives to bring us together in unity. Um, earlier, we read from a passage out of Ephesians. And, and in that passage, like we read, Paul was saying, hey, listen, walk in a manner worthy of your calling, worthy of the gospel and the calling that it puts on your lives. And as he was walking through that, he made this statement that part of the reason we do this is because we are one body. Now, I feel like on some level, like we have been beating that drum for a long time here at Element Church, especially recently, talking about how the church is the body of Christ, that the favorite uh, analogy, analogy or imagery that the Bible loves to use when it talks about us as a church is to reference a body, that Jesus is the head and that you and I are all members of that body. And so just in light of that, I want to jump to a passage um, speaking of that same idea that we are in uh, together, we are tied together as the body of Christ because of Jesus, because of the gospel, because of the calling that the gospel puts on our lives, that we are united together as one body. And I want to talk about the implications that has, um, both in light of what our society and our communities are going through right now, but also how that speaks to the reality that we need other people in our lives. 
Sometimes we think we're independent. Sometimes we think we have it all figured out and that we don't need other people. But um, even as the social isolation and separation, the social distancing, the stay-at-home orders revealed in our lives, how desperately we need one another in our lives. And so we're going to jump uh, over to Romans chapter 12 um, to, to look at another time in which Paul talks about us being the body of Christ and, and the implications that has on our lives. You know, at, at Element Church, we, we never want to turn the focus to ourselves. When we gather together, we always want to focus on God. We never want to talk about what matters to us, but want to talk about what matters to God. We never want to allow the narrative of the news or recent events to drive um, our thoughts and to, to shape our thoughts, but rather we want to let the truth of Scripture um, speak into our lives to change and transform and mold and shape us. And so that's what we're going to do this morning is we look in Romans chapter 12, and I want to start for us in verse 3. And, and here's what it says. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in, here it is again, one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so here's what Paul is saying. Because we are one body, because we are one community, you and I should not think more highly of ourselves than is appropriate. Now, why? Why would being a part of one body or one community, why would that, why would that drastically affect how I think of myself? Here's why. Because when you realize that you're a part of a body, part of a community, you realize that you can't do everything on your own. Uh, you don't have all of the gifts, all of the skills, and all of the strength to do everything God has called you to do by yourself. Now, you might have the strength today. You might be sitting here today going, well, I, I, I feel strong. I feel like, like I can do what God has called me to do. But tomorrow, you may not have the strength. Tomorrow might be that day where you, you don't have the strength to move forward to keep doing what God has called you to do. And that's where you need community. That's where you need other people who can step into your lives, who can bring a set of, of skills and talents and gifts, who can bring another perspective on life and our community and our society that you don't have, who can infuse strength into your journey when you don't have the strength to pull yourself back up or to keep moving forward. And so if we really are one community, if because of the gospel and the calling on our lives, we really are one body, then we need each other. And it begins with not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, but having sober or humble judgment about you and really what you bring to the table and the perspective that you have on life. Paul's going to kind of carry this idea on. He's going to continue to talk about the implications of the gospel in our lives. He's going to talk about the implications of genuinely being united in the spirit, like he mentioned in Ephesians, being united as one body, one community. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12, and I'm actually going to read quite a few verses. I'm going to read from verse 9 through 21, and I'm just going to read through it. And it is a lot. And now we're going to 
point out a few things, but we're not going to talk about everything. But but I just want you to let this soak in for a minute. As Paul talks about the implications of the gospel in your life and what it genuinely means to be united in one body as one community. And so let's look at Romans chapter 12. We'll start in verse 9 and then I'll move down to verse 21. And he says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful or lazy in zeal or passion. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation or trouble. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, as, as we read those verses, my guess is that for every one of you, something different stood out. And it might stand out because of something that God wants to speak into your life right now. It might stand out because of uh, things going on around you. It, something might stand out to you because of, of the way you see the world or what you've experienced recently or in your life. Some of it might stand out because of things that happened months ago. We don't have the opportunity or the time to, to kind of dissect each one of these pieces individually today. We're not going to get to talk about all of them. And I would encourage you to spend some time reading and meditating on this passage this week. Maybe to just devote a little bit of time each morning to read these verses and allow God to speak to you in your life and what you're going through. But I don't think it's any coincidence that God led us to talk about our need for one another, our need for community, our need for unity. Um, as we were preparing for this uh, series and these messages weeks and months ago, that we're experiencing what we are in our communities and in our society today. And there's just a couple of things that I want to highlight. They may not be what stood out to you, but they are a few things that stood out to me that I wanted to just think about and reflect on for a moment as God's word provides both a comfort and a confrontation for all of us uh, as we continue to grow uh, in who God is creating us to be, and as we continue to pursue walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling, that gospel calling on our lives. So just a couple of things that I want to point out and reflect on for just a moment. And the first one comes right from verse 9. Let love be genuine. Now, 
I, I want to think about sort of why Paul is saying this. And it may seem really obvious, but let's just call out the obvious. He's saying, let love be genuine because there is such a thing as ingen or disingenuous love. Because there's such a thing as love that isn't genuine. And so in light of what we're going through right now, I want to encourage you and challenge you that in the things that you do and the things that you say and the things that you share or comment or post, that you allow your love to be genuine. Because in a season like this, it would be so easy for us to say the right things without actually letting it uh, reflect in our actions and in our hearts. You know, the Bible actually talks a lot about um, this idea of your words matching your life and your actions. Um, and James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, he talks a lot about this, uh, about the absurdity of, of living a life in which how you live and, and, and the condition of your heart not matching your words. And for him, he says, listen, if your words don't match your life, if they don't match the condition of your heart, then your words are meaningless. They don't matter. As a matter of fact, he goes so far to say, if your faith doesn't match your life, then your faith is dead and worthless and meaningless. And so as we speak into what may be going on around us, it would be really easy to say the right thing, to post the right thing, to, to give the right uh, hashtag or, or give the right uh, response without it actually reflecting our heart. And so as you respond, as you think, as you evaluate, allow the love that God pours into your heart, the love that he shows us, people who are undeserving, allow that to reflect what you say in a genuine manner. Uh, another thing that I want to point out is in verse 15. And it says this, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Notice what Paul's saying. For those who are genuinely one community, one body, he doesn't say weep when you're sad. He doesn't say weep when you feel like it. He's not saying you should mourn when it feels appropriate. He says we should weep with those who weep. That, that we should be so united that when a brother or a sister in Christ is weeping over something, in their life or in their community, that if we're genuinely connected with them, that we should weep with them. Sometimes in situations like this, and, and it could be uh, along the lines of the, the, the injustices that uh, are being exposed in our society about um, those who are being harmed. It could, it could surround the protests and the ways in which people are or not handling themselves in the protests. Or it could even go back to um, when the coronavirus was at the forefront of everything that people were talking about in all the news and all the stories. When, when there was this divide about um, those who felt like we should stay home in, in light of protecting the vulnerable and the elderly and those who felt like we should open up our economy um, to get that moving and protect business owners and small businesses. And, 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 and there's always things to divide us. And and it's, it's always easy for us to, to assume that, that our position is the right one. And, and what we're called to here is that if we're really one body, one community, then we should weep with those who weep. That, that we should be moved, uh, not just by what we have experienced or feel, but, but, why, but by the movement of others. That when others are weeping, we should weep. 
And I think that's a challenge to all of us today, that even if you don't feel or experience things in the way that other people do, that you have the ability to weep with those who are weeping, to hurt with those who are hurting, because they're a part of the same community, the same body, in light of the gospel that you and I are. And one final thing here at the end, verse 20, um, Paul says this, to the contrary, as opposed to what normally we would think we should do, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And this is speaking to the reality that sometimes we enter into a phase where it's like a us versus them. You know, we kind of reference the keep everything closed or open up the economy. That was a big issue. Um, there are new issues that we're discussing now, and it's so easy for us to get into a, a mindset of us versus them. But Paul says, no, when the gospel takes root in your heart, it's not about us versus them because we don't treat other people differently. What we do is for someone who is perceived to be an enemy or calls themselves our enemy, if they're hungry, we feed them. If they're thirsty, we give them a drink. That we lend that hand, that we serve and humble ourselves for others because we need each other. Because this idea of I don't need other people is a lie. It's a lie that we are so tempted in our community and especially in Western civilization, we are so tempted to believe that, that I'm independent and I don't need other people, that I can do it myself. But the reality is we need other people. And when we're, commu we're connected to that community, when we're connected as one body, it plays itself out in, in, in things like this. That we weep with those who weep that we humble ourselves and we serve those even who wouldn't be willing to do it for us. Now, here's what I don't pretend to do. I don't pretend to have uh, the answers for solving um, the challenges and the division uh, and the injustices in our community. But we have before us principles that can shape the way we live, shape the way we act, shape the way we speak, shape the way we vote, shape the way we treat people. But ultimately that there's a calling on our lives because of the gospel and how we live. And that God has called us to, to something bigger, something better. Because it's a lie to think that we don't need others. The reality is God created us for community. We were created to be united to others. And so... The challenge for us is to allow these truths of the gospel to shape and mold our lives. As we allow God's word to both comfort and confront us wherever we are. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we have had to come to worship, to come before you. That we, we have the opportunity today to worship alongside um, our family, this body. Even though it's in smaller groups than we're used to, we celebrate at this opportunity. And we ask, Lord, that you would do something powerful in all of our hearts and in all of our lives. Uh, I want to ask you to just keep your eyes closed for just a moment where you are and to have this moment of reflection. 
to have this moment to allow God to speak into your heart right now. As we talk about the way in which the calling of the gospel molds and shapes our lives. And I want you to allow the truth of scripture to both be a comfort to you and to confront you. To help you to see your own blind spots that all of us have. To allow you to encourage you and to push you into a deeper level of community uh, with one another. To see yourself as a as a part of the body of Christ, a part of this gospel-centered community. That you would allow it to, to push you into a new level of being connected with one another and to expose the lie that we are all tempted to believe that we don't need others. For allow God to, God to allow you, uh, to show you in this moment how you need others and how others need Lord Jesus, thank you. Would you continue to speak? Would you continue to move in our lives and in our hearts? As the gospel takes root deeper and deeper and deeper, it begins to work itself out as we seek to live a life worthy of the calling that you've put before us. And as we work on being a light in the midst of darkness, as we, as we move forward and being a community that's a voice of hope in the midst of hurting, uh, tragedy, and hopelessness. We could be a source of love for those who feel alone and unseen. And Jesus, we thank you that when we were without hope, we were without love, when we were helpless, you did on our behalf what we could not do for ourselves and that we would live a life worthy of that reality. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray this in your name.